The True Tone Lounge podcast features audio-only versions of our video interviews. To view those, please visit truetonelounge.com or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash truetonefx. Giles, and welcome to the True Tone Lounge. Today, our guest is Bob Britt. Bob, thank you for coming down. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Awesome. Well, tell us, uh, you know, first off, you know, as I you know, had said in the teaser, you're a, a kind of a journeyman guitarist. You've played with a, a wide variety of artists uh, from, you know, like I said, Leon Russell to Delbert McClinton and the Dixie Chicks and played on Dylan's, you know, Time Out of Mind. So, uh, what got you into music? Specifically, what was your first, what's the first album you remember hearing? I guess Clapton, you yeah. know, hearing Clapton, Cream. Uh, I liked uh, Dave Mason uh, mm -hmm. and uh, Pink Floyd. I loved David Gilmore, you know. And what was your first paying gig? In high school at some point, you know. Okay. I played, that was my, you know, the first bands that I got into were in <laughs> high school. Uh, I had this little band, uh, we played... Uh, I think I was a junior in high school when we, or no, I was a freshman in high school, and we played there. Our school had a thing called the Junior Jollies, and it was a talent show. We worked up uh, Loan Me a Dime from the uh, Dwayne Al Allman anthology, which was, yes. it was Boz Gags. It was Boz yeah. off the, uh, those, the album he cut in Muscle Shoals. Yeah. With Dwayne playing. Yeah. yeah. And I learned Dwayne's stuff note for note. Wow. That whole thing. So that was a big influence on me, you know. How did you decide that you wanted to do music professionally? I, I tend to, I don't, I don't think I've ever really ever planned anything in my whole life. I just kind of walk along and follow the yeah. path that... Serendipity. Yeah, God lays out for me, and I just, it falls in my lap, and I just do what I do. I don't, that's kind of weird. I don't... Yeah. I don't play on anything, really. So what was your uh, your first artist of note that you played with? Leon Russell. Okay, and yeah. so how did you get the gig playing with Leon Russell? I got that gig. Uh, I lived, I was born in Iowa, but lived in Evansville, Indiana. And when I lived in Evansville, Indiana, my older brother Tom became really good friends. Really, his best friend was John Cowan who's the Newgrass Revival's bass, bass player, player, and now yeah. Doobie Brothers bass player. Right. Um, phenomenal singer. So, Newgrass was Leon's band in the late 70s. They, they did a, an album together. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they were parting ways, and John suggested me for, he, Leon said, I want to put a rock band together, you know any guitar players. And mm -hmm. I was in Mexico City, and I got a phone call from John's wife. <laughs> 
From John Cowan's wife. John Cowan's wife, Liz. She tracked me down. I was playing with an Elvis impersonator. With the jumpsuit? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. and his dad was a tailor, so he had nice jumpsuits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and, and were you dressed up like James Burton? Did you have a Paisley Telly? I don't No, no I didn't have a Paisley Telly, but it, that was a great gig because I learned all that stuff. Yeah. You know, great, all great the Burton parts. stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. You got the Phenomenal. Scotty Moore stuff, the Reggie Young, and yeah. the James Burton yeah. stuff. Yeah. So it was actually, yeah, it was a good education. Somebody put together like a impersonator show down in Mexico City at a hotel. And, uh, you know, there was a Marilyn Monroe and a Sinatra and, you know, all that. Yeah. And I, we were contracted to be down there for, I don't know how long it was, but things got squirrely, you know. People weren't being paid. And, mm -hmm. and, and fortunately, I got this phone call. Yeah. Said, you know. Leon's looking for a guitar player. Can you come out and audition? Yeah. So I basically snuck out of there in the middle of the night, got to the airport, and uh, flew home. And uh, Did you have to leave any gear behind or anything? I did. I left this 69 uh, Deluxe Reverb. <laughs> but my uh, the bass player, who's a great friend of mine, had it. That's a whole other story. I ended up getting it back maybe 10 years ago. So you leave the amp in Mexico, you get it back, you know, many yeah. years later. So yeah. let's let's get back to the, the Yeah, timeline. so anyway, so, 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 I, so I got the call and I yeah. got out of Mexico and came to Nashville, to Hendersonville, to his house. Okay. And uh, played for him. And the only thing is, you know, John just said, uh, just play like Freddie King. That's all, you know, and yeah. you'll get the gig. <laughs> So I started, you yeah. know, well, for the, what the whole time before I went there, all that's all I listened to was Freddie. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, there was a Freddie King album that was done on Shelter Records. It there was, were it two. Tex it was Texas Cannonball or three of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess, I guess Leon was a fan. There's, oh, yeah. 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 And uh, he had one of Freddie's guitars when I was with him. I played it. It was a brown 345. Wow. Uh, anyway, I came and auditioned for him and got the gig, flew back to, I lived in the Bay Area at the time, flew back. I had a 72 Nova and I loaded up what I could fit in it and drove to Nashville. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that started that gig. I think it was 81. Uh, I remember my first gig was in Atlanta. It was in a Gora ballroom, I think, or a Fox, I don't know. But I remember that walking out on stage. My knee was just <laughs> shaking like yeah. crazy. I'd never been in a situation like that. You yeah. Know? What, uh, was it because, you know, being in a nice little theater, playing with Leon, playing with the other guys in the band? What, just everything, you yeah. know, playing with Leon Russell now. You know, going from playing with an Elvis impersonator to playing with Leon Russell. It's a big jump. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. in front of the, you know, huge sold-out theater. and You know, it was uh, it was big. You know, and that eventually, that wore off, and now it's, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter if you're playing for 20,000 or 20. Yeah. But still, that's a that's a great you know great moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, while playing with Leon, uh, there's there's a photo of you with Clapton and Jesse Ed Davis. Uh -huh. So, at what point? Uh, so, 
So how long had, been, had you been playing with Leon before this the, this picture was taken? Where, where you, uh, or had you met them before that, Clapton, Eric Clapton and, and Jesse Ed Davis? That's the first time I met Clapton, but okay. I've been around Jesse quite a bit because okay. uh, I think that was mid to late 80s. I'm okay. trying to think when Jesse died. Uh, he died in the late 80s. Yeah, uh, and it was not long before he died. But when we played out in L, in the... L.A. area. Jesse always came out and sat in with us. Unbelievable guitar player. You know, Doctor My Eyes, that's Jesse playing. Yeah. You, um, you know. Yeah. But all, but all it, of you folks. Yeah, you know, some of the <coughs> folks you might not know that, you know, Jesse Ed was one of the few guys that, uh, you know, he would be asked by, you know, it's like he played uh, the slide intro to Hello Old Friend mm -hmm. for Clapton. Yeah. He's the guy that Dwayne Ullman saw. And, uh, and wanted to play like him because he played Statesboro Blues slide, Statesboro Blues right. with Taj Mahal. Yeah. I mean, he played Dr. My Eyes. He played with all the Beatles except for Paul uh -huh. at different times. He's on the concert for Bangladesh. Yeah. He was just a, a very influential uh, guitar player oh, that, yeah. that unfortunately he, uh, he kind of got into uh, some substances and, yes. uh, and, uh, and his, uh, uh, he wasn't able to, you know, cut it for a while. So, yeah. so when you were, you were getting to play with him, was, was, he, was he on? You know, playing well. Oh yeah, yeah. General in general, yeah. He played great. You know, he had demons. Yeah, and they eventually took him. You know, and his his wife gave me his yellow telly that he was always playing at the end after he passed. Wow. Why did she give you that? Well, it's just because she knows that. I guess. We really cared for each other, and she told me that the first time that he came and saw Leon and I was playing guitar, he came home and he was just raving about this guitar player that he had seen. And so he always came out, and he all, I, I always made sure he sat in, yeah, and uh, played because, and it's. Great because I'd I've stolen stuff from him. You know, he's, that's yeah. how you get your thing. You steal stuff from what you like, and I would intentionally play Jesse Edlicks while he's standing next to me. Mm -hmm. That's great because he'd he'd just go, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so so she gave me that guitar, and I really never played it. I don't you know. Yeah. It's just kind of sat in its case and. And then I got a call, she called me, oh, probably four, five, four years ago, five years ago, and the Smithsonian was doing an uh, installation in New York City uh, honoring American Indian artists and, mm -hmm. you know, of all types, and Jesse was going to be one of them, wow. and wanted to know if they could have a guitar, and so she asked me, because she gave... That to me, she gave one to Yoko, and she gave one to, I think, Jackson Brown. So I sent it to the Smithsonian. They had it for a couple of years. And then they yeah. sent it back. And then, I don't know, a few months ago, I was just looking around, and there it sat in its case, and I thought, this, this needs a home somewhere. And so I called Steve Ripley, who's an Oklahoma. Yeah, he was in the tractors. The tractors, and, and right. the recording yeah. producer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I said, you know, I've got this Jesse guitar, and I think it should go in a museum. Is there some place out there that, where should I send it? And he said, well, let me put you in touch. They're building a new museum in Tulsa. It's called OK Pop. And uh, it's going to be right across the street from Kane's Ballroom. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, so I gave it to them. The guy came down, he drove down here to Nashville, and uh, I passed it off so it's going to have a, you know, home where people can yeah. enjoy it. That's, that's very cool. Yeah. yeah. Did, uh, I'm guessing that sunburst telly that, uh, that Jesse played a lot, you know, was that guitar already gone? Or? I think so. Yeah. I think it was a... Yeah. Got got sold for other purposes. Yeah, the the doctor of my eyes guitar I think was a, like a blue, like plastic blue one maybe or oh I think yeah and I think maybe Jackson got that I think maybe that was still around I, I'm not sure okay yeah so then uh, Clapton so how did the Clapton thing happen so he was friends with I guess with Leon and then he would he would show up and then he would be asked well, to sit in Kale would show up JJ Kale right. But he would never play. Okay. He, he he's kind of he's got a weird stage fright thing about him. You know, okay. there's stories of him doing shows where he actually his chairs he has his back to the audience mm-hmm. when he's playing. Uh, but I we played at uh, Trancus, which is this little bar in Malibu, mm-hmm. and we were doing two nights there. And first night Jesse came out and. Uh, Oh, and Kale, Jesse and Kale came, and uh, Jesse played, I think, and uh, I, Kale wouldn't play. I said, "Man, bring, bring, you know, bring a guitar tomorrow and come up and play." I got all kinds of amps. I got, you know, I, I had four amps out there. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I had two supers and a boogie and something else. And uh, so the next night, I'm backstage in the dressing room, restringing, and uh, Jesse came in. And he restrung his guitar, and we're both doing that. And then he said, "I gotta go. I gotta go pee." So, and the only restroom in this place that's tiny is out in the bar. And so, I finished up and went out to find him and walk. You know, look, walk by the bar, and there at the bar is Kale and Clapton and Jesse. Wow, so, <laughs> <laughs> three big icons of, of yeah, the guitar. Yeah. yeah, and I did a double take, and I went to the bathroom and then I came walked up there and and Kale said well Bob man I'm sorry I didn't bring a guitar but I brought my buddy along and maybe maybe you can talk him into playing some yeah so uh, so he did we played I think we did about four or five songs and Leon's playing and he's, and he's singing he's going, it's guitar night it's guitar night <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know I'm Clapton and Jesse and they're they're just sitting at a uh, table, a couple of tables back, and so he finally got them to get up and and they basically started the show over, just about, you know. So played the whole night and Eric played this. Wow. And uh, Jesse played his yellow telly and I played uh, this '63, but that I've had. I think I've had that guitar longer than any guitar. Uh, okay. And uh, so afterwards, I had Eric sign it. We're all hanging out on the bus. You know, it was Eric and another guy that always came out was Gary Busey. <laughs> Gary, at some point, played drums with Leon. Wow. Uh, and uh, I think Cheech was there, or Chong, one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jerry Williams, songwriter. Yeah, songwriter. Yeah, phenomenal. Well, just hung out, and, uh, and so I had him sign this. Yeah. And now it's covered up. It said to Bob with with all my heart, you can kind of still see it. There it 
clapped it, and then he put a little X under it. Which I wow. thought was cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then uh, years wow. years later, I uh, was playing in with the Dixie Chicks at uh, Cheryl Crow had a thing at, in Central Park, mm -hmm. and uh, I was there the day before dress rehearsal or whatever it was, sound check. And I'm just standing around, and all of a sudden I hear Happy, the Rolling Stones. Mm -hmm. And it's undoubtedly Keith. Yeah. I had, I had no idea that he was even there. So I thought, well, I'll have him sign it too. Yeah. So at some point, you know, we're just all kind of hanging out, and, and it was the next day, it was the show day. So I thought, well, I'll have him sign it. So I kind of said, hey, Keith, could you just sign this and kind of, let me sign this. Like here, <laughs> <laughs> this is your spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And he grabbed it and went. Ninety-nine. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't understand a word he said. So back to uh, you know to Leon Russell. So you know, you know, getting to play with Jesse Ed and, and Clapton. What, what were some of the things that you learned from them? You know, getting to you know play play with them and, and hear them. You know, was it just kind of being in awe? Or, yeah. I I don't know. I think you unconsciously absorb things uh, from people for just from everything you ever hear. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, I've never been a guy that tries to learn things purposefully from mm -hmm. people. Uh, or from you know from players, except for like early on when I was young. Right. Then you know when I was obviously just learning how to play guitar. It's like so many times, uh, you know, from uh, almost any classic guitar, you know, riff, you can find you know somebody showing you how to play it how on to YouTube. Do it. There's a video. Yeah. Of it. Yeah. And it's, and it's free, and you just you just right. watch it. You yeah. Know? It's awesome. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a big deal in the '80s when they had like those. Starlix videos where you could in the Hotlix videos right. where you could actually get a VHS and yeah. and see you know Lukather or Larry Carlton or Albert Lee you know playing playing licks yeah. on the on, the v, on your VHS at home. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know that I from actually standing next to him. Yeah. Did anything but yeah. but be a great experience and a great memory and you know and hanging out with him. You know, I I did get to meet a whole lot of people playing with Leon. Yeah. You know. Who were some of the other highlights of guys that you got to meet? Some of the Toto guys. Uh, you know, the people would just come out. Uh, Brian Wilson came out one time and, you know, knock on the d bus door and I went to the door and it's Brian. And uh, that was pretty yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bizarre. Pretty, pretty trippy. He's yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, well, Burton, you know, he came, he'd come to Leon's. A lot of people came to Leon's house out yeah. there, you know, and, and people would, you know, I answered the phone one time and it was George Harrison, you know, calling just to talk. Uh, yeah. uh, Bruce Hornsby came and spent a few days there because Leon was a big influence on Bruce. Yeah. And uh, we were rehearsing with, Edgar Winter was in the band for a few years, three, three and a half years. Uh, and that happened from, he opened a show somewhere and uh, we just, Leon asked him if he'd join the band. Yeah.
So after Leon Russell, what's next? And how did that come, come to an end? I got a, a registered letter <laughs> telling, him, telling me my services were no longer needed. Oh, okay. Which was interesting. Uh, and looking back, I don't, I kind of wonder if he was doing me a favor. Okay. You know, uh, we're for, we've, you know, we remained friends and, uh, uh, you know, he just passed. Right. And I'm, he had uh, triple bypass surgery he had, and he had a lot of other he just was not in good health before that. And so I'd go to the hospital and see him and tell him, man, you got, you, you got to fight. Yeah. Or, you know, the only way you're going to get better is fight. You got to get up, move around. Mm -hmm. And he couldn't. He, could, he had a hard time walking in the first place. He's been in a, using one of those scooters for years. And, and I just, I didn't, uh, yeah, I don't, I didn't see the fight in him. And then yeah. I, I went and saw him. A week before he passed, I went to his house. John Callan and I went together. And we got in the, he and his wife, and we got in his car, and he loved cars. He had a Tesla. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got in the Tesla and went to Cracker Barrel, and one of his favorite places, <laughs> had lunch. <laughs> and then I went back and, you know, visited for a while. And I'm so glad I did that, uh, you know. I have to tell him I love him. I always told him I love him. Right? Yeah. Because he was really, he was a huge part of my life. You know, I played with him for nine, ten years. It's Started when I time. was 22, I guess. And uh, he uh, was kind of like a second father in a way, you know. Yeah. I, I lived at his house for, I don't know, two or three years maybe. And, but even when I moved out and got a place, I was still there all the time, engineering, and then uh, on the road, uh, it was me and him and his wife, and my brother in a motorhome, and the rest of the guys in a bus or something for, yeah. for the first good long while. So, And it was either him driving or me driving, and the other one in the jump seat. And, uh, you know, uh, I was, he's kind of the reason I married the girl I married. He just told me, man, he would talk about her and say, you need to just, you need to just marry her and start having babies. And yeah. So we did. That's Anna, yes. my wife. Yeah. She was Melissa Pruitt. Originally, she was in a singer in uh, David Sugar years before I met her. But, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, so that's what we did. And uh, he was, yeah, I mean, just beside everything I learned from him musically. He taught me things, you know, whether intentionally or not. You know, I learned so much. He's, he's left side is the strong side. He had, I thought it was polio at one, I found out later it wasn't polio from when I, I spoke at his funeral and just talking with people. Yeah. So his right side was kind of, he called it his gimp side. Mm -hmm. But his, that's a lot of the reason his style is what it was. His left hand is so strong. But uh, he, uh, and so I learned a lot about how the bass relates to clusters, you know, uh, chord clusters and stuff like that. He affected my tone a lot. I think back then I used too much distortion and too much treble. And mm -hmm. he 
he'd say, well, you got to do this, you got to do that. And, yeah. So he would just give you general instructions on tone? Yeah, just say, man, you're that's too bright, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, that's, that's too dirty, clean it up, you know. Yeah. And, and I did, and I'm, I'm very grateful. <laughs> you know. Uh, Why are you grateful? I, well, I don't know. I just, <clears throat> I've kind of have just been more of a purist since that, yeah. I guess. You know, you know, when, when we were kids, you know, you get, you know, I had a, that first pedals were, you know, Distortion Plus, mm -hmm. MXR stuff. That's what, that's what there was. Yeah. The Distortion Plus and a phase shifter. I hate phase now. Uh, it was so overused during the 70s. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah awful. Uh, yeah. I still have a couple of the old red Dynacomps, mm -hmm. which are really great, but I don't really use them as a compressor. I use it as a boost. Mm -hmm. I have a couple of different boards that have, I hit that first. And, yeah. Uh, like uh, my, I did, don't have one on this board. But, uh, so, yeah, he was uh, pretty influential in my yeah. whole, you know, I'm playing with somebody for that long. Yeah. Naturally, you just pick up everything that, you know. I, I mean, when I sing, sometimes I sing. People tell me I have that, a little of him in me, you know. Yeah. And I'm glad for that, too. I'm glad for everything. Yeah. So he sends you a registered letter. Mm -hmm. Your services are no right. longer needed. Yeah. And so what happens next? I think my next gig, as far as gigs went was uh, Lionel Cartwright. Okay. Uh, and I played with him for a little while, a couple of years, I guess. He was on MCA. Yeah. And uh, Stuart Smith probably played on it. I think yeah. Tony Brown yeah. produced it. Yeah. I think I played on one track. They appeased him and let his band play on a track. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You know, somewhere along the lines, I started doing session work. Okay. Uh, and, uh, but uh, I did Lionel's gig. And then interestingly, when I had was leaving that, I just left that gig and I was playing with somebody at uh, 12th and Porter. Uh, and this guy came up to me and he said, hey, I'm a guitar player, I'm just, just moved to town. and." I'm trying to find a gig, man. If you could help me out, I've got a tape here, and yeah, it was Bukovac. Okay. Yeah, and uh, he said, "I said, well, I'm just, I'm getting ready to leave this gig. I'm, you know, yeah. give it to Lionel." So that was Book's first gig when he came. To yes, he t he told me about that. He yeah. didn't tell me that that you were the guitar player yeah. before him on that, but he told me that uh, Lionel was his first uh, yeah. gig. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He handed he Book gave me a cassette, and I gave it to Lionel. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, Boy, Book is amazing guitar player. He is. Yeah. It's just phenomenal. So where does uh, where does the Bob Dylan album uh, "Time Out of Mind" come in? When it was, I can't I can't tell you. It was late nineties. Okay. Uh, okay. It's hell getting old. I lose yeah. all your memories. So, but but how did uh, how did you end up getting called? So did Dylan call you himself, or like management, or how did you, uh, you get called to play on a Dylan album? I was playing again at Twelfth and Porter, uh, playing. I think with Joe Nell, I look out in the audience and there's Bob Dylan and Bucky Baxter, who I know, I've known Bucky Please. for years. Pedal Steel. Pedal Steel. Pedal Steel. Yeah. I think Bucky was there. Tony Garnier, his bass player. And uh, 
we played a set, and I smoked cigarettes at the time, and I went outside and went on, stood on the sidewalk and was having a cigarette, and there were a few Harleys parked there, and I'm just standing there looking at them, and, and, and Bob walks up and introduces himself. <laughs> That's a little surreal. <laughs> yeah. And uh, didn't Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah and just say, hey, uh, I'm Bob, I really like your playing, you know. Yeah. And we talked for a couple of few minutes, and he, he was playing at TPAC and uh, invited me out. And to come see the show. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I went, saw the show, and was standing on the side of the stage. And after the show, he came, walked right over to me, and we talked a little bit more. And, uh, and then it was uh, like two years later, I got a call. Bob wants you to come and play on this record. Well, now, actually, I went out, I got another call before the record, I guess, to fly out to LA to play with them at uh, Center Staging, that it's like SIR, so right. rehearsal. <clears throat> I guess to see if he, maybe I would fit in his road band. Okay. Uh, played, a, I think, a couple of days with him, and it was, you know, surreal. But at the time, he was playing guitar. <laughs> and he played, the way he plays guitars, you know, he's not playing, he doesn't really play rhythm. He plays these little lines and things. And, mm -hmm. and he's just telling me, you know, I'm, I'm not soloing, I'm playing, these are just little things, and you need, if, just see if you can play around them. <laughs> and anyway, I didn't, uh, obviously, I, ne I never, I didn't tour with him, so, yeah. uh, but, I, you know, and I played acoustic guitar on some of that stuff, and I guess he really was impressed with my acoustic playing, because okay. uh, when I got, you know, I got the call to go to Miami and do that record, I loaded up a trunk full of stuff and amps and got there, and Daniel Anwan was like, what's all this? I said, well, it's my gear. I said, yeah. Oh, I thought you were just playing acoustic. He said, but, yeah, Bob told me you're the best acoustic player he'd ever heard. And, but I, I didn't know, you yeah. know any of that. And I did play acoustic on some of that record, but I played mostly electric. But, the, yeah, that whole thing about weaving around what he's playing, I, I never, I guess I never figured that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the guy who plays with him... Uh, Played with him for years. Um, New York guy. Plays also plays fiddle and man. Larry Campbell. Larry Campbell. Yeah. He's the best guy I ever saw with Bob doing that. He, I don't know how he figured that out, but yeah. Larry's a phenomenal guy. Tell us about uh, working with Daniel Lenoir. I mean, uh, he's an interesting guy. He, uh, we stayed. We were there for three weeks at Criteria. Yeah, famous, famous yeah. place. Yeah, Layla. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, it was Keltner playing drums, um, Jim Dickinson on keys, as well as Augie Myers. Yeah, uh, me, uh, <coughs> Tony as bass player. He had uh, Duke Robillard. Duke Robillard was there for a bit. But anyway, yeah, working with Daniel, it was interesting. His whole approach, I guess, was interesting in the way they mic'd things. Like the drums were mic'd 
three mics. And and actually there were then there were started out with Keltner and then Brady Blade showed up. Not Brit no, uh Brian Blade right. showed up. And so the had both of them and awesome. My my seat was right between those two guys. Oh, Keltner I, and I sat, Blade. Yeah, yeah. In the studio. And when we're recording they didn't want to really wear headphones, but you had to to hear Bob's vocal because you had to know where you were in the song. And mm -hmm. The song would be different every time you did it. So Brian, uh, I think Brian was there so that Bob wouldn't just make a blues record. Bob was just doing it himself. He'd do it, yeah. just play a blues record. Yeah. Uh, and he he played on, Daniel played too. Uh, he, uh, just kind of would make suggestions here and there. Uh, Bob was great at going out and doing things, and uh, the engineer Mark Howard was phenomenal. Uh, and some of the, you know, a lot of it was, most of it was written there in the studio. Bob had a spot in the back corner, and he'd sit back there and write, and we'd wait, and then. He'd play something, and then he'd, uh, he'd go back and write some more. And, yeah. And, you know, there was one song that went from this to this to this, you know, started out in E and ended up in B flat and uh, totally different groove, everything. everything. Yeah. yeah. It was a pretty amazing process to watch. So how did you end up playing with the Dixie Chicks? Again, this is pre-political uh, uh, stuff. I don't know. I yeah. just got a call. Yeah. So yeah, they had a uh, they had a road band, and then all of a sudden they uh, they got a whole new they got a whole new band. Yeah, and, and I came in and was musical director from the get go. Uh, I didn't audition; they just hired me. Most gigs I gotten, I haven't really, I haven't have an audition for. Yeah. Uh, and I guess it's just, you know, you're around long enough and people know what you do. Yeah, and then did you put the band together? I flew out to a gig to, with their existing band. Okay. And then they said, well, you know, do what you, you know, do what you need to do. So I had to, I fired a couple of people, you know. Yeah. And replaced them. And, okay. uh, and then we toured, toured with them until, ah. Uh, I don't know, 2001 to 2000. I left right before the the trip to England. Where they where, where they said yeah yeah where, yeah where they exercised their freedom of speech yes. uh -huh. and other people exercised their freedom to not like right. them right. yeah because right. of that yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah everyone had their freedom yeah, yeah I know yeah. yeah were they good to work for? They were great to work for. Uh, early on, you know they had, they were. Just, I guess, just starting to hit a big. And uh, mm -hmm. Wide Open Spaces, I think, was yes. probably just hit the radio when I started with them. And uh, at that point, we were still doing, you know, like clubs and theaters. And fairs. Things, and we went to, yeah, fairs and went to Australia. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then the big tour, their really big first tour was the Fly Tour. And that was right. 2000. And, yeah, it was great. And... Being musical director, you know, I'm a pretty easy-going guy. And uh, after a couple of weeks, we used ears. And, and something I've noticed when you use ears is 
people get their sound check mix and they have their show mix. And when you're at sound check, they're constantly going to the monitor and go, oh man, I got too much of this. I yeah. got too much. Oh, can you yeah. do this, this, that? And so, yeah, he, he gets everything set. And then you start playing the show and everybody's, oh, I, I need more of this. I need more of that, you know. Yeah. And it, it, I've seen it happen over and over and over. So after two weeks of being out there, I said, is everybody happy with your mix during the show? Yeah, yeah. Okay, no more sound checks. So that was it. We did no sound checks. And me and the steel player played golf every day. So, wow. Yeah. And so, and everything went well? Everything was great. So no sound Everything check? went smoother. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're playing in huge arenas. Yeah. The, the, you, you don't need the band to tune the PA. It's the same gear every day. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no point in it. Yeah. The mics are all, you know, close. I mean, the, uh, the amps are all close. Everything's yeah. close mic'd. And, yeah. Uh, and you've got in-ears, no, no wedges. It's so, really yeah. counterproductive at that point yeah. is my theory on it. You know, you're, you're putting the poor crew through useless work. Yeah. You know, you know I'm, I care about those guys, too. I care about everybody. Yeah. I care about everybody a lot more these days since what I went through last year, so... So you mentioned going through something. So tell us about that. Last year, uh, last February, I was diagnosed with large, diffuse large B-cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Wow. Heavy. And uh, so last year was not a lot of fun. It was, yeah. uh, it was a trying year I went through. I had surgery. I had chemo, I had radiation, uh, uh, chemo is awful, radiation was a walk in the park compared to the chemo, uh, but uh, looking back on it, just, just shortening everything up, compressing it, because I don't really want to go through it much, but yeah. Yeah. it was it really, a, uh, more, uh, more beautiful things came out of it, than, yeah. more good than bad. Yeah. The obvious bad part is the physical shit you got to go through. I can swear on it. You can swear on the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the outpouring of love from the Nashville community, there was a benefit show put on for me and uh, just uh, it brought my family and I closer together. I have a much better outlook on everything. I much, I appreciate life so much more and people. Yeah. Uh, um, I just start, I look at everything differently now. Yeah. And, you know, it's as weird as it is, that I, you know, I'm glad I went through it, you know. And uh, I don't want it ever to have to do it again, but mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. it really opened my eyes and my heart. And yeah. uh, it was a, it's a, 
It's a life-changing event for sure. So when did you start playing with Delbert McClinton? I started playing with Delbert, I guess it was six years ago. Okay. Uh, I had played with him. Rob McNally was his guitar player. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal guitar player. He's, he's been on guy. the True Tone Lounge? Yes, oh. I know. I yeah. saw him. Uh, I've seen several of the shows. Thank great you. show. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, and I'm honored that you've asked me to well, participate. Happy that you could yeah. that you could do it. All right. Yeah. Uh, at one, the first time I played with Delbert, Rob called me because uh, they were he and his wife was having a baby, I think, and uh, I'm pretty sure that was it. And uh, could I sub for him? So I went mm -hmm. out for a weekend and sub for him. And uh, and then I was playing on a McCrary Sisters record, and Delbert. Uh, and Gary Nicholson were there, and it was a break. They were singing or something, and Delbert and I were just out hanging, talking. Mm -hmm. And I brought up this guy, Foy Vance, who you need to look up if you've never heard this guy. He's a, from Ireland, phenomenal singer, bloop stuff. And, and he said, oh, did you see him on the cruise? Because Steve Mackey told me about him, and he was on the boat. And uh, I said, no, I've never been on the cruise. And he said, you haven't? How come? I said, well, I've never, I haven't played with anybody that's been on there, and I, I don't know, just never been invited. He said, well, you want to come? I said, yeah. So I said, okay, you and Etta come. And uh, Great. You're my guests. So we're going on the cruise. This is six years ago, and uh, about a month before the cruise, Rob called and said, man, I can't make it. I got booked on this session, and I really can't miss it. I don't want to miss this session. It was the first Lady Antebellum record. Mm -hmm. Which was a big deal for yeah. him in yeah. his career. Yeah, yeah, it really was. That pretty much was the springboard yeah. for his session career. And uh, so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll play. You know, I said, yeah, you can play with Delbert and Leroy Parnell and the McCrary sisters and <laughs> it sounds like a great, a great yeah. gig. So yeah. I went on, and instead of just being a vacation, now I'm working. Yeah. And uh, and then that was pretty much when I started with Delbert. After yeah. that, you know, been, been with him ever since. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the cruise—that's my favorite week of the year. You know, you yeah. go on there, you turn your phone off, and you just mm -hmm. it's music twenty-four hours a day, and yeah. just friends. And now it's like. Big family reunion. You see all so many of the same people. When when you were going through some of your treatments, were you uh, did anyone have to fill in for you? James Panabaker. Okay. Uh, yeah. Who played with Delbert years ago? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, phenomenal guitar player and uh, great blues, Texas blues guitar mm -hmm. player. So there's a thing about uh, you got to be from there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to play like that, I guess you know Jimmy yeah. and. and uh, you know, Jimmy Vaughn's one of my all-time favorite guitar players for blues. Yeah. And, you know, and Anson. And now I play with Anson all the time. Yeah. You know, Anson's always on there. Now, uh, on a recent, uh, on a, I recently saw a clip of you playing with Jimmy Vaughn, you mm -hmm. know, with Delbert. So, uh, tell you know, tell me how that, you know, came. I guess he's, uh, he, he played on, on one of Delbert's records. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I co-produced that record and co-wrote probably two-thirds of that record. Okay. And uh, there's one song that uh, needed a female to sing 
the bridge. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it needed to be this sassy. Yeah. And we're sitting on the bus and trying to figure out, man, who would be good for that? And it just hit me, Luann Barton is the, yeah. was it'd be the perfect voice. And, the, and Delbert and Kevin McKendry, the three of us, produced the record. And, uh, and they're like, yeah, that's, the, that's it. So mm -hmm. say, well, can you get a hold of her? I said, yeah, I'll call. I said, you know, she plays with Jimmy Vaughn. Why don't we get Jimmy to play on it? <laughs> so, <laughs> so Delbert called Jimmy and we set it up. And Delbert and I flew down to Austin and went in a little studio there, studio Jimmy likes to work at, <laughs> and uh, cut Jimmy and Luann on it. And uh, that was a great experience, you know, yeah. sitting there recording Jimmy Vaughn. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot of people, a lot of people don't understand, you know, especially for Texans like myself, yeah. Jim, Jimmy's kind of the guy. Because oh, yeah. people people think more of Stevie Ray Vaughan, yeah. but his brother Jimmy Vaughan was such a huge influence on on all the players, and most most of them are more familiar even with Jimmy and a bigger fan of him than they are of Stevie Ray. Not that I mean Stevie Ray is a fantastic player, yeah. obviously. Yeah, he was yeah. yeah, absolutely. Jimmy was always the guy to me. Yeah, you know, over over Stevie. I mean, Stevie's great. You know, yeah. Stevie's the, you know, they're kind of opposites. Stevie's, I think Jimmy said, yeah, Stevie plays like he's breaking out of prison. Yeah. You know, and Jimmy plays like he's in a low rider Studebaker going f f seven miles an hour. Yeah. You know, he doesn't, you know, it's not, it's a totally different thing. You yeah. Know? Jimmy's a real purist and, and uh, it's interesting how it's changed, you know, the, with the capo and the no pick. Yeah, and, playing more with his yeah, fingers. Yeah. 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 But uh, so anyway, we were playing in Austin a few, I don't know, a month ago at uh, the Paramount. Mm -hmm. And uh, I told before we went there, I said, man, let's call Jimmy and Luann, see if they'll come out. And uh, I thought, there's no way Jimmy's going to come. I said, maybe Luann will come. Mm -hmm. And it was like, yeah, Luann's going to come. And then, and then the day before, I said, yeah, Jimmy said he'll come. <laughs> <laughs> and but then Luann had something happen with her eye, and so she didn't make it. But Jim yeah. came and he played. So he played on that tune that we cut on the record, and then they did another song that Delbert sang, and he just played on. And then had him come out and do sing a song and play. Mm -hmm. I think that's the one that got posted. Uh, I was playing, and I'm thinking, God. I need somebody to take a picture or something. So I had my phone, and Jimmy played through James's amp. Okay. So so James filled in for me while I was going through all the treatment, chemo, and all that okay. stuff. But Delbert is such a sweetheart, sweet man, that he has kept James on. And so now it's yeah. both me and James in the band. Yeah. And uh, so Jimmy played through James's rig. So I just pulled my phone out of the pocket and threw it over on a road case and James picked it up and shot that video. Very cool. Uh, so, yeah, and then I had him, and then it was the encore, and he was just standing over there on the side of the stage, and I said, hey, man, you want to play again? He goes, oh, okay. So then I had him play through my rig and yeah. then got some shots of, of he and James, yeah, playing, and James again. playing. Yeah, James playing, yeah. 
So tell us about the stuff that uh, you and your wife, Edda, have done. We just started doing a duet thing recently. Uh, And that kind of came because we've been working on an Edda record. And we really wanted to get something done for the cruise to have a new product out, you know, because they sell merch on the cruise. And and, uh, realized, I'm I'm not going to get this record done. So uh, let's just record a little duet thing. Mm -hmm. We just did it at the house. you know, something I could kick out in a week and a half or two. And uh, so we did that, and we've been doing gigs with it. It's fun, you know, I and mean, it's kind of turned the tables. She's always been the one singing and me playing, but I'm singing as much or more than she is in this Wow. It's, it's interesting. It's, uh, you know, it's a different experience just sitting out there bare. Yeah, I don't have no rhythm section or <laughs> behind you. It's just me. Yeah, and she's playing percussion, and she's a really great percussion. I mean, she's got really good time. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. so that's been fun. Yeah, yeah, and no band to worry about. Although I take more guitars than I take on any gig. You take a couple acoustics, or I take one acoustic, and I take a baritone, and uh, well, I guess I only take four guitars. That's not that bad. Mostly open to the uh, resonator and national. Res Electric. Yeah. Those are cool things. Yeah. Um, which I played with Fogarty. I got I bought that when I played with Fogarty yeah. for looking out my back door. Do, do, do. Yeah. <laughs> I needed a resonator on it. Yeah. Yeah, we, we missed the Fogarty. What was the, the Fogarty? Uh, what time did you play with John? Was that, that was after Dixie Chicks. It was after Dixie Chicks. And before Delbert. And before Delbert. And that came about through the Dylan thing, really, because uh, Dylan's manager also managed Fogarty. Mm-hmm. And he just called and said, John needs a guitar player. Would you want to do it? I said, yeah. And that was another one I didn't audition for. They just, yeah. they just get took just word and you know, I got the gig. And, I did that for a few years until I couldn't take it anymore. (laughs) 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 The music was great. Yeah. And the band and the the band, my bandmates were great, but uh, there's a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Enough said. Yeah. Enough said. This has been an audio presentation by TrueTone, TrueTone.com.